You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. I'm here with my co-host. As always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing? Because right now, I don't know if you guys can hear. I'm a little sniffly over here. <laughs> Alex has been <laughs> killing me. Yeah. How you doing, though? Yeah, we're survival of the fittest, pretty much. Just hanging in there. Had some bad food the other day, but, you know. It's all good. It's all good. Trying to all aboard, all aboard the struggle bus, both of yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, yo, yo, we just trying we to gonna, hang in there for dear life, yes. bro. We're gonna power through this for you guys, though. So let's get into it. Let's start off with the MLB. We got the World Series Astros versus Braves. The Braves winning four to two, winning their first World Series in 26 years since 1995. How about that? You look at the game, game six, Max Freed. And the pitching staff, they threw a gem. Braves homer three times to win the World Series. And Jorge Soler named the World Series MVP. Great midseason acquisition going from arguably the worst team in the MLB to now the World Series winners. But looking at the World Series and even just game six, what were your thoughts? I wasn't expecting it to be a 7 nothing blowout, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but... Hey, I think uh, because I think coming into this World Series, we knew it was going to be a tough one. I picked the Astros just because I felt like they had the offense that was just going to be way too much. But for the Braves, I mean, they were able to do that this entire season, right? They went up against the best offenses, the most dynamic of teams, and were able to find a way somehow to – manage well with their pitching staff and not get, you know, too extenuated and too, um, too thin on the bullpen or barn arm or what, what are we calling it again? Like, so my, my whole thing with that is like, first of all, cancel culture. I'm not, about, <laughs> I'm not about that thing. It like, to me, it's kind of annoying, but, uh, I know PETA was the one that like tried to change it from bullpen to the arm barn. I don't know about you. I think the whole like idea of it or whatever is a little dumb, but I kind of like arm barn. I think it does, it actually sound, sounds it does sound like dope. a good name. It does. Yeah, sound like it kind of actually name. sounds dope. I'm kind of a fan of it. <laughs> but yeah, the arm barn was definitely used a lot throughout this series. And uh, I think it was crucial with how the, uh, with how the Braves were able to end up winning is that they just didn't, you know, make them uh, make their uh, their arm barn have to go, you know, so many innings and have to utilize them so often. And I think by being able to utilize that and strategically be able to space out their pitchers and not allow the Astros hitters to be able to see the pitching staff uh, so many times the way that they could get a gauge on them, 
And also there was no trash can. So, I mean, I think that definitely helps to their advantage too. But ultimately, I think that the better team did win. The storybook team did win. And I think America's team did win. <laughs> I was going to say America think, for sure won. I don't think anybody wanted to see the Astros win. But the only reason, like I said, I took them was I thought that they were going to um, provide enough offense to slug it out. But they just weren't able they weren't able to and they got shut down you know multiple times throughout this series and that's something that you can't allow to happen on the big stage yeah i mean after solaire hit that three-run bomb i kind of knew it was going to be the braves night and i like he hit a nuke out of the over the train tracks out of the stadium it was insane and then the pitching staff just like you mentioned game six throwing a combined shutout absolutely through a gem but the Braves team, you look at them all season long, just resilient. Like I mentioned before, without their best hitter in Acuna, without their best pitcher in Soroka, and without the best player from last year's postseason for them in Ozuna. And there was a point where they were at 500 at one point in this season, and they were in danger of not even making the postseason come towards the end of the season. So now they're World Series champs after 26 years. I'm, I'm so happy for Freddie Freeman. He deserves it all after everything he's given to the organization. And then like, look at look at him in the last two years, winning NL MVP and then winning the World Series. Hell of a two years for him. And then you want to talk about Max Fried staying composed and getting the job done because the last two outings against the Dodgers and against the Astros, he gave up a combined 11 earned runs in those two starts. And for him to come out and pitch a gem and secure the World Series for them, shout out to him. But in terms of the World Series, Outside of game three and game four, this series was kind of anticlimactic, but the managing was top tier. If you, I don't know if you knew this, but Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, and his son, Troy Snicker, who is the hitting coach of the Astros. So he had a little father-son rivalry going on in the World Series, but pops prevailed. But all in all, congrats to Braves fans and congrats to Atlanta for not blowing another lead and winning. Exactly, because you know, you already know that was in the back of their mind. Oh, absolutely. Especially after what happened with last year and what's happened historically with Atlanta sports franchises in the past. Um, I think if the Astros win game six, you want to talk about on edge and just not sure what's going to happen. Uh, I think that would have put a lot of pressure on the Braves going into game seven, not saying that they would have been able to win it, but I mean, that would have definitely been a game changer for sure, but it's obviously uh, something that did not happen in this reality, but I just think that Jorge Soler also, by the way, doing what he did throughout this entire postseason but especially on this stage in the world series hitting three major home runs getting named the world series mvp um and correct me if i'm wrong Kush, but wasn't he also uh in with the cubs organization that won the world series back in 2016 uh i don't i just remember oh yeah he was he okay, was yeah i just you're remember right, him right. part of like that organization and i also remember his impact it wasn't as extravagant, but he's definitely always been a guy that has had the capability and had the power. It's just the consistency was always a question. And man, when they needed him, he definitely showed up on the biggest of stages and he was able to show that he can definitely get it done. So shout out to him, man. That was a, that was definitely a curtain call for him for sure. Absolutely. And the way too early 2022 world series favorites are the Dodgers going into no shocker there. Yeah, so we'll see. Moving on to the NFL, 
We got a lot, a lot of news. I think the last three days has been crazy NFL news. Let's start off with probably the biggest one, and that is Henry Ruggs on Tuesday night around 3.40 a.m. Raiders wide receiver was booked for a DUI resulting in death. It was reported that he was driving 156 miles an hour before the crash, and he had a blood alcohol content of 0.161, which is twice the legal limit. And on top of that, he was carrying a loaded firearm in this vehicle. Rugs did not suffer any life-threatening injuries, but his girlfriend in the car suffered serious injuries, and the victim of the accident in the other car was pronounced dead as uh, her car burst into flames and she couldn't escape. So Ruggs is being charged with multiple felony charges, DUI of alcohol resulting in death and reckless driving. And I'm pretty sure if the firearm is not legal, he's going to be charged with that as well, too. So there's no probation in Nevada for DUI charge resulting in death, which means Ruggs could be facing a sentence of two to 20 years in state prison. And you look at Ruggs, 22 years old. He was a first round pick two years ago out of Alabama. But it seems like his career is pretty much over. What are your thoughts on this story? Initial thoughts were thoughts and prayers to the family of all those involved, but especially to the woman who, the victim that lost their life. Um, I can't even imagine what they're probably going through right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's a horrible situation. Um, but looking at Henry Ruggs uh, in this particular situation. um, Yeah. I would definitely say that depending on what he's able to get as far as uh, what he's like, you know, what they decides to go forth and how, and what the sentencing is, because I'm assuming that he's going to be found guilty and he's going to be, um, but it's all dependent on whether or not, he's you know what type of you know judge he's gonna get and you know are they gonna be looking to make an example out of him as a football player athlete celebrity whatever you want to call it but ultimately I think sad enough this kind of has been a story that has like culminated with how bad things have been with the Raiders uh season this year I mean obviously with their John Gruden allegations and everything coming out and uh in the news coming out with that and him stepping down we kind of even said it when that story came out that the Raiders have a decision to make whether or not they're going to go in a positive direction or a negative direction. And so this story definitely doesn't help them at all because it's just yet another negative press and not only negative press, but uh, like we said, resulting in death, it doesn't make their organization organization look good. It doesn't make Henry Ruggs look good. And it's definitely not something that, they want it to, ha- to happen at this particular time. But ultimately, I think that he needs to accept the responsibilities and consequences for his actions and go from and, and pretty much go from there. And, you know, re- regardless if he gets another shot in a league or not, I think that's the least of his worries right now. But uh, it just goes to show, man, that you could go from being a talented individual um, that's making crazy money, making millions of dollars, and in just one negative action, your whole life can be affected, the lives of your family and loved ones can be affected because you decided to do something crazy. So, you know, just be aware that when you're out and about, 
you you have to realize that your actions do have consequences and unfortunately henry ruggs actions killed someone so i don't know what's going through his head but i think that he needs to to definitely take responsibility and accept what comes forth yeah absolutely i mean first off thoughts and prayers to the family of the victim and to everyone involved i honestly hate seeing duis resulting in death stories it infuriates me but let this be a wake-up call not only for athletes but everyone in general use ride-sharing services if you've been under the influence of anything a life is worth more than any amount of money an uber a lyft or even a tow truck if you didn't want to leave your car there just a tow truck like a life is worth more than any amount of money that you're going to pay for those services. And not only are you jeopardizing your own life, but others innocent lives, as you see in the situation, but for rugs, he was released by the Raiders uh, immediately. And rugs in this case, he made a mistake and now he has to pay for the comp consequences. I will, I won't understand why a multimillionaire will not use a ride sharing service or they don't even have their own drivers. Like we see that stuff like just just utilize it the services or also i just feel like teams and especially now because of this i feel like teams should give each player on the team a certain amount of credits for ride sharing services per day or even per week just to ensure their safety and you see the bad, bad publicity of the raiders and las vegas in general it's just jeopardizing them so why not try to avoid all that by giving uh, you know, players credit or something for these ride sharing services to steer clear from this stuff. But like I said, first and foremost, thoughts and prayers to both families. And we'll just play by ear to see how, cause I think his hearing is on Wednesday. If I'm, if I'm not correct, uh, correct me, but yeah, I, it's just sad to see the story. Um, hopefully everything will be resolved and, uh, Thoughts and prayers to the families again. Yeah, well said. Moving on, we got more bad news in the NFL, and that is Aaron Rodgers testing positive for COVID-19. Rodgers had been unvaccinated since the start of the season, claims that he was immunized, which seems to me as a synonym of vaccinated, but I don't think he used it in the right context. So is he lying? Is he not lying? And if you look at him, he's, he even said in the uh, press conference saying that some of the guys on the team are vaccinated, uh, but that's their personal decision. Kind of speaking in third person, like kind of staying clear out of it. But I mean, aside from that, let's talk, keep it on the football field. How's this going to impact green Bay coming up uh, who they play the chiefs this week? Well, it's already influenced betters, that's for sure, because the line initially was, I think, one and a half or like uh, it was something like that. It was around like one. And then as soon as this news jump uh, came out, it jumped all the way up to seven and a half, I think, in favor of the Chiefs. So I'm like, yo, <laughs> um, which, by the way, I would definitely take. The, uh, I would think that the Chiefs should cover on that. If the Chiefs don't cover, I mean, come on. <laughs> but how their defense is going. against the Giants. Exactly. How their defense is going. I mean, damn. Jeez. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, man, I, I, I really wish we could have Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, and Kanye West all in a room just so that way we could just see the conversation that would ensue. Because I feel like that would be, that'd be the greatest conversation in – entertainment 
just to hear the, those three guys talk about literally anything would be amazing. Like just have a camera in there and just let them just go at it. I think that would just be amazing. But now nah, in all seriousness, this definitely impacts Green Bay. And we know that the NFL, they came out with some strict, strict uh, policies about the vaccine. They weren't forcing players to get it, but they were saying that if a player is unvaccinated, then he has to pretty much follow these really strict guidelines. And I think it was even stuff like he has to get tested pretty much every day. Um, he has to make sure that he's on a separate plane than uh, his teammates or something like that. So just so that way it's, uh, you know, if the, if the, if it does spread, it doesn't like, you know. Well, he's he's ruled out for this Sunday, so I don't even think he's going to be. Right, 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 all. right, right. Exactly. So I think, but personally, I think with, with Rodgers, I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't if he wasn't vaccinated just because he kind of he kind of rides his own way, similar to Kyrie. And he's kind of like his own dude. Now, it'll be interesting to see the backlash that comes with this, uh, because I'm sure Green Bay as a fan base in a franchise are going to be pissed off about this because, you know, they've been having for the most part, a really good season this year. And as usual have Super Bowl aspirations. Um, so, you know, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, he's going to have to make sure that he, he, I think he has to quarantine for 10 days and then he's going to miss this week, but he also has to show that he's asymptomatic uh, in order for him to be uh, eligible to play in two weeks time. So we'll see what happens, but you know, this is another, another Aaron Rodgers green Bay, you know, story that, you know, kind of just adds on to already what is a not tumultuous uh, situation, but a little bit of a, you know, she said, she said type thing, you know, but well, it continues. On paper, Packers have looked good so far. They after that first loss, week one, where they where it looked like Aaron Rodgers didn't give a shit about this. <laughs> They've won seven in a row, sitting at seven and one atop the NFC. But all eyes on Jordan Love. We know Rodgers is going to be out after this year, so Jordan Love is the future of this franchise. And the Chiefs, who are absolutely struggling, especially their defense this year too. Jordan Love, unlike Aaron Rodgers last week, he's getting Alan Lazard and Devontae should be getting Alan Lazard has been activated. Devontae Adams has not been activated yet, should be activated soon. Um, but he's getting top two weapons for Green Bay back this week. So and against a struggling Chiefs defense, all eyes are going to be on Jordan Love and see whether this could be the passing the torch moment. Obviously, I think Aaron Rodgers comes back. He's still going to start, but you can kind of see a glimpse I mean, of what's to come in the future. Does he, though? If Jordan There's no way. If Jordan Love goes crazy in his, no in his you know, regular season debut for the Packers, like, come on, like 400 yards, six touchdowns. Come on, I'm just maybe saying. No. Like, if he if tra- those- maybe maybe if the trade deadline <laughs> was still there, the trade deadline's passed, which we're gonna get into a bit. But that ain't no way. I don't think you're benching Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm not saying benching, but I mean, if he if he if he if he gives you something to like that intrigues you, I, I think Matt Lafleur, you gotta have a look at least, right? Well, I think just the positive is the optimism going into next season with this right. team, and maybe Devontae Adams stays. And, you know, he 
he he likes what he sees from Jordan Love. So it'll be interesting all around because they did lose one of their biggest weapons in Robert Tunyon, uh, who tore his ACL um, on Thursday Night Football last week. So it's going to be really interesting this game, uh, how this is going to impact, impact Green Bay. I think I think Green Bay is still going to win. I think they're going to beat the Chiefs uh, just because you saw what they did to the Cardinals in their run game. I think they can just run it down uh, the Chiefs throw and it's just going to be it's going to be their game to lose because maybe LaFleur doesn't fully trust Jordan Love, but maybe he's he doing, Yeah, he's going to be doing a lot of run plays. I think. Yeah, I look for uh, uh, their running game to have a big day. For sure. But hey, maybe the Chiefs force Jordan Love to throw and we'll see what happens. Moving on, we got the Thursday night football preview. We have the two and five Jets taking on the three and five Colts. Jets coming off a huge win Sunday, coming back to beat the Bengals off of off the backs of their quarterback number one, Mike White, who put up 405 yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely stunned the world. And the Colts are coming off a heartbreaking overtime loss to the Titans, who just lost Derrick Henry. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that injury to Derrick Henry gives them a glimpse of hope for trying to compete for the division. Only problem is that they're three games back of the Titans, and the Titans beat them both times this season, so they have the tiebreaker over them. So pretty much for the Colts, every game for the rest of the season is a must-win, and it starts with this Thursday night game against the Jets. So currently the Colts are home favorites by 10 and a half points. Who wins and who covers? I think that they won't cover, but I think that they will win them being the Colts. Um, I think the jets have, uh, they're starting to get salized uh, for sure. I think that Robert Sala is uh, definitely putting his hands all over this organization and especially, um, on the defense because the jets have really are i'm not saying like they're the best defense in the league but they they you know they fight they fight hard and them just as a culture the culture seems like it's changing i'm not saying that they're you know going to be heading into super bowl mode anytime soon but i'm just saying that it doesn't seem like even though things are on the trajectory of them getting at least a top five pick, uh, it doesn't feel like typical Jets. You know what I mean? Like doom and gloom, sadness. It feels like there's a lot of optimism to be had around them, which, I mean, could be delusional. <laughs> it could also be something to look forward to. But in My this question sense, for you. what? If Mike White wins the Jets this game, is he getting the starting nod over the number two pick, Zach Wilson? Ooh, a little color about controversy. Um, I think he's got to do what he did last week. If he does, I mean, back-to-back 400-yard games and multiple Well, I'll, multiple say, I'll say if games. he wins out because uh, Zach Wilson is out for a few weeks having a P- PCL uh, injury right. to his knee. Right. So if he wins out. That's yeah. where it gets interesting, I think. I think if he if he goes if he has a positive record going forward, I think that that would be something they sell about, and then also be able to say that hey, I had multiple games. Yeah, we lost, but I had multiple games where I put up this many you know passing yards and this many touchdowns. You know, I I think he'll have a case for sure because by the time I think Wilson comes back. Uh, I think he'll already kind of be kind of settled into the offensive system and kind of, you know, have those jitters off him. My only concern for him is will he be able to continue not just, you know, forget winning, but be able to have the performances that he had, or is it just, you know, Hey, any given Sunday type thing. So 
I think he can impact the Jets. I'm not saying, but I don't expect him to be, you know, having crazy games like that every week, week after week after week after week under center. But um, I, de- I definitely expect him to have a good game here. Um, I think that they're going to keep it close. I think they might even, you know, uh, put the Colts in a position where they could even win the game. But I think that the Colts will ultimately uh, win it. I think it might even go to overtime. That's how close I think it mm. will be. So, but okay. I'm taking Indianapolis to go ahead and get the win, but I think the Jets will cover. I'm right there with you. I got the Colts winning, but the Jets covering. Jets are riding high after that win last week, that upset, but I think they kind of get a reality check. The yeah, because that short, have... that short uh, turnaround is uh, yeah. real quick. <laughs> and the Colts also, they've been playing pretty well this season. I think their record doesn't do them justice this season. Um, but you look at Carson Wentz, somewhat proved the doubters wrong, minus his stupid shovel passes that he keeps trying to do. <laughs> but you look at his stats, just shy of 2,000 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and only three picks. So, I mean, they're playing well. The Colts also have two outstanding year two breakouts from their running back, Jonathan Taylor, and then their receiver, Michael Pittman Jr. Taylor, second in rushing yards, may even win the rushing titles with Derrick Henry out now, third in rushing touchdowns, and he's averaging five and a half yards per carry. And then you look at Michael Pittman, top 10 in receiving, top 15 in receiving touchdowns. He's having a monster year as well, especially with the amount of wide receivers for the Colts that have been out and been getting injured. He's been able to carry the load. But what it ultimately comes down to, I think the Colts are a better defense than the Bengals. Um, and they're they're not the best, but they're not the worst either. And I think they'll do enough to maintain a lead uh, for their offense to control the temp- tempo. But I do think that Mike White and company – do enough to cover the 10 and a half point spread. Moving on, we got the NFL trade deadline that happened Tuesday. Not very busy, but there were some trades, uh, even dating back to a couple weeks ago. Obviously, you have CJ Henderson and Stefan Gilmore going to the Panthers, Zach Ertz to the Cardinals, Kenny Young goes from the Rams to the Broncos, Joe Flacco went to the Jets after that Zach Wilson injury. Mark Ingram reunited with the Saints. Uh, Melvin Ingram went to the Chiefs, which is a little bigger news. Charles Amenahu went to back to the 49ers. And then Lauren DuVernay-Tardif went from the Chiefs to the Jets. But the probably the biggest, biggest trade was Vaughn Miller to the Rams and kind of shocked everyone. <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. But now you kind of got the three most dominant defenders on the same field together. Now you have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and now Von Miller. The Rams traded a second and third round pick to the Broncos for the eight-time Pro Bowler. Von Miller, he's emotional leaving the Broncos facility, and rightfully so, because he devoted his career to that organization, won Super Bowl 50 with them. But now Miller's going from a 4-4 and Broncos team to a 7-1 and Rams team to compete for a Super Bowl. But the Rams have literally gone all in to win a Super Bowl by trading away their future assets. You look at their picks next year, third round compensatory pick, fifth round pick, and two seventh round picks. That's all they have. So my question to you is, is it worth investing? Maybe you can say five to 10 years of the future for a championship now. And if they don't win a Super Bowl this year or next year, what's the consequences? I think that long-term, obviously, you, you, you know, giving up your draft capital, you, you know, salary cap, making yourself as tight or over the salary cap as possible. Um, 
it's definitely going to have its consequences if you don't win because it's going to look like okay you did all that for nothing but i i'll always say that when a business an organization a franchise a team whatever when you're aggressive you always are going to run that risk and it's like the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers said last season if you don't risk it you don't get the biscuit baby so you kind of have to just go all out in some scenarios because if you really want to win and you really are willing to do whatever it takes to win, then you'll make sure that you got the right personnel around you so that way you can be successful and that way that you can progress to the ultimate goal that you have. The Rams did their due diligence. They saw what they needed to fix and they corrected it. They improved their defense, which you know was a big part as to why they got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. But then they notice, okay, offensively, we seem a little bit offensively challenged. So then they gave it a year with Jared Goff, and then they decided in the offseason, okay, let's move off of Goff and let's get a you know guy who's been in the league and has been a consistent quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So then they saw that the offense is gelling, but then, you know, the defense, I'm not saying is bad. It's just there are times where it can get exposed. And – I think the trade for Vaughn Miller in this scenario is a low risk, high reward situation just because, you know, we were kind of talking about it before we hopped on here. He's on an expiring contract and the Broncos are retaining majority, if not all, damn near his salary. So you're really paying him nothing. And regardless, if you don't re-sign up with him or, or, or anything like that, you still have a team that is capable with or without Von Miller on the roster to be a Super Bowl contender, at least for, you know, uh, you know, potentially next season, whether or not that, you know, is the case, we'll have to see. But ultimately I think the Rams are just so desperate to win a Super Bowl. that I think they would literally sell their soul to get one at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you win a Super Bowl, at the end of this season, it'll all be worth it, of course. But I personally would trade five to ten years of not even making the playoffs to win a Super Bowl as a fan. Maybe not as a general manager because you're always trying to build a, a franchise in a dynasty. But as a fan, I would trade a Super Bowl win for five to ten years of not making the playoffs. That's just how fans are. But if you don't win this year or the next year, you trade a lot of draft capital for both Stafford and Miller. And you could be headed down a rebuilding period. Because if you look at this season, including this season, Stafford has two more years. Von Miller, this is his last year, like you mentioned. Daryl Henderson has two more years. And two of their main starting offensive linemen have two more years. And a few of their defensive backs as well has two more years. So it looks like their window is this two years, um, ideally for this team to win a Super Bowl. And their first first-round pick isn't until 2024. And who's to say they're going to keep that one, to be honest with the deals that they've been making? Because I think their last first-round pick was Jared Goff in 2016. So I think after making that first-round pick, it was like, no, nah, we don't want first-round picks anymore after that. But I think the Rams are in a good position right now for the next two seasons. And I honestly think that they could get a Super Bowl within these next two seasons. Because even if Von Miller, I don't – depending on how this season goes – because you got to remember, he's coming back off an Achilles injury, Achilles tear from last season, but he's still explosive and still gets pressure off the quarterbacks. And if you have him and Leonard Floyd, who has six and a half sacks this season already, them two coming off the edge and then Aaron Donald up the middle. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, quarterbacks, because 
especially Russell Wilson out here. He's got to go <laughs> up against Nick Bosa, D Ford. He's got to go up against uh, now Aaron Donald and Von Miller. And then you look at um, the Cardinals. JJ Watts out now, but Chandler Jones and some of those other guys on the team too. Like these these quarterbacks are gonna be running for their lives in the backfield. But I think the Rams get a Super Bowl within the next two years, and it'll all be worth it. Um, you think so? so? I think I think they will. I think they will. It just depends on their defensive their defensive backs and their line. They're actually their defensive backs aren't terrible, but it's more their linebacking core, especially after they traded Kenny Young mm-hmm. as well too. So it'll be interesting. But I think they they get the job done. I think McVeigh got a lot of shit, but now that he has a competent quarterback, I think he he can get the job done. I'll say this: I think that they'll make it to a Super Bowl if th- if not this year, next year. But I don't think that they win it. Because I think there's something about that big stage that's going to yet again expose McVeigh. But I could nah, be wrong. I could I be wrong. I could be wrong. We'll see. We'll see though. Yeah. Hey, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see once you know if once they get there. It'll be I also like, think. Yo, I yeah. also think Von Miller. He does possibly resign with the Rams uh, in the offseason as well. Too obviously, I don't think he's going to take a huge pay cut. But if he likes what he saw from the Rams this season, because he's set to play this Sunday against the Titans. So we'll see. But let's talk about players that weren't traded, who were rumored to be traded. We have Deshaun Watson, that saga. That's going to have to wait until the offseason. Which we told (laughs) y'all was not going to happen. Melvin Gordon, Teddy Bridgewater, they were in rumors as well, too. uh, But they're going to stay put. And then Ronald Jones is staying in Tampa, even though Leonard Fournette looks like looks to be the bell cow over there in Tampa. Marlon Mack, who was rumored to be traded since like week three or week four, he's not moving anywhere. And then Deshaun Jackson, he asked to be traded, could not find a trade partner, so he was waived. He's going to be hitting free agency market unless he is picked up off of waivers. And then last but not least, but Odell Beckham Jr. was in trade talks, and there was talks about him possibly trading, being traded to the Saints, but there was no agreement made. And then uh, come Wednesday, he was dismissed from practice for non-injury-related issues. It was more personal, and I don't know what's going on if he's going to be traded because his dad posted on i don't know if it was instagram or it was some sort of social media yeah it was basically 11 11 minute long video of baker mayfield missing obj wide open so there's a lot of drama in the browns the browns i like them this off season not from a fan base but i like their chances but it seems like the browns are just gonna brown it's the same old thing <laughs> And that's what's going on. But what is your whole take on the Odell Beckham Jr. situation going on? First of all, shout out to NFL dads out there. Because um, I, I remember uh, when Cam Newton got released, he did uh, this video with his dad. And essentially, they were chopping it up and talking about it. And his dad was like, yo, I'm over here hearing that you're supposed to be the starter. Next thing you know, I'm hearing you get cut. I'm like, so how we go from you being the starter to you getting cut? So, <laughs> and I mean, the same thing applies to Odell Beckham Sr., uh, who's always going to ride for his son, right or wrong, you know, regardless. I think he's always going to be there for him, which is, you know, salute to him for uh, for doing that. But in this scenario, I think that he also has to look at the fact that while people are going to always say OBJ's open, he's wide open, he's wide open. Like, it's a split-second thing with the quarterback. 
like with the reading of the of the field and i don't know i don't know what the relationship between obj and baker is i'm not going to even speculate but let's just say if it is a bad relationship i think that the best thing you can do because when you're a right receiver i mean essentially you doing well it's kind of out of your control because if you don't get the targets if you don't get you know the catches then you can't really do anything and I just also don't think that Odell is that same Odell that we saw back in with the Giants. And I think that's partially because of the fact he's been injured um, multiple times on multiple occasions. And I, don't, I just don't know if he's the same wide receiver. And he might not be. So I can see both standpoints, but – when when you haven't been on the field long enough, I don't, I don't really know if Baker and him have that chemistry. I don't know what their chemistry is like because I think he's got more chemistry with guys he's probably, you know, been targeting and throwing to more so than OBJ because OBJ's been injured. So I think that just from that standpoint alone, that maybe this isn't going to work out. And allegedly, I saw something that he might have, like, said about, like, you know, maybe this thing with Cleveland and Baker ain't going to work out, but I think that was fake. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, Brown's going to Brown for sure. Um, This organization, we give them credit for what they did a season ago, making the playoffs for the first time in God knows how long, and then also winning a playoff game as well. Kudos. But when they they get put under the microscope, when people start saying that they're a Super Bowl contender, then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 reality. (laughs) Whoa, wait a second. Can't handle that. So... I just think that the the expectations did not match up with reality. And I'm not, and still not saying that they're out of it completely, but I think that they've had a tough season for sure with the injuries and the inconsistency of play. And I think this is going to culminate in a shakeup if they don't bare minimum make the playoffs. If they miss on the playoffs, the shakeup is coming for sure. Uh, the hatchet is coming down for sure. Yeah, and we could see that sooner than later because uh, Coach Stefanski was asked uh, whether Beckham was a part of the team uh, for the foreseeable future. And he said, quote, I would just tell you today he's excused, but we'll see where it goes from there. So I think obviously that's the professional answer, but I just don't see any optimism with this going forward because Odell Beckham Sr., he was agreeing with a lot of the comments saying that uh, either – Baker Mayfield is hating on Odell and just doesn't want to see him shine or uh, basically agreeing that Baker Mayfield is mediocre to the comments. So I don't know. I feel like just digging a deeper, deeper hole for this team. And I think, I I think I I was a believer of Baker Mayfield going into the season with everybody healthy, with a healthy offensive line. But I, I, I think I'm completely wrong just because I think Baker Mayfield is overrated I think OBJ obviously isn't the same that he once used to be, but I still don't think he's a bad uh, receiver. Uh, I think he's a better one-handed catcher than a two-handed catcher because he drops a lot of those, but I don't know. I think Baker Mayfield, I I mean, not Baker Mayfield, I believe um, OBJ, I would have loved to see him traded and on a better team, maybe like a team like Green Bay. Uh, Maybe the, the Saints was a kind of an interesting rumor, just given that they don't even know their own quarterback situation, obviously with Jameis going down for the season and then Taysom Hill coming back, Trevor Simeon there as well, too. So I don't know. But I think 
it's just they're in a deep hole right now in terms of OBJ and the Browns organization. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is released, but I definitely don't think he'll make it clear of waivers. He'll, he'll definitely get picked up off of waivers by someone if that does happen. And also, if that doesn't happen and he remains on the team, I don't expect him to be a part of the team come next season. Yeah, just because I think also you look at the fact that like his uh his stock as a receiver has significantly dropped, and you can say that's majority. Like you can say you can blame Baker for that, you can blame the injuries for that, but you have to admit if you're making what a top five, top ten wide receivers list. I don't think he's in that list. Oh, no, not, no, not anymore. <laughs> I don't think What's he's in that time, list. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't think he's yeah. in that list. So, um, and, you know, we know wide receivers, you know, are, are the biggest, you know, people say they're the biggest divas in sports. But at the end of the day, I can totally see their standpoint. It's like, look, I'm not getting my numbers. I'm not getting my touches. What's going on here? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't come here to, you know, not be a part of a winning organization and also by the way have my numbers significantly and my status in the league significantly drop so they i think he cares about that for sure and i think that definitely is an impact on his brand and he doesn't want that to have that uh at all and so i think that maybe he needs another better solution but i think the only thing I'll say is if a team is lining up to sign Odell or trying to acquire Odell Beckham Jr., you have to understand that when you uh, have Odell Beckham Jr., do not try to change him or try to make him into something he's not. You just have to accept him for what he is and then be willing to go forth with the consequences of having him on your team. That's not a negative thing. That's also not a positive thing. That's just he is what he is. Also, make sure you hide the kicking nets if you do trade for him <laughs> or sign him. Let's move on, though, from wide receiver to the running back position because the NFL rushing leader, Derrick Henry, had surgery on Tuesday for his fractured metatarsal in his right foot. He'll be out most likely the remainder of the regular season with hopes to come back in the postseason if they do make it. Uh, He led the league in rushing yards and touchdowns with 937 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was on pace for another 2,000-yard season, which would have been back-to-back. And he is the main reason why the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC right now after starting two and two. But because of the injury, uh, the Titans went out and they signed Adrian Peterson, uh, the future Hall of Famer, I would say, who is 36 years old and he's fifth on the all time rushing list. And I think he needs something like 400 or 500 yards to pass Barry Sanders to become fourth all time. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, but you look at the last time Peterson played was last year where he played all 16 games in Detroit, but looking at the Titans for their, the rest of the season, how do you like their chances? Um, I think their Super Bowl chances are kaput, diminished, gone. Even if they make the playoffs and Derrick Henry comes back. Who's to say he'll be the same Derrick Henry returning post-injury. I mean, the guy was playing on a fractured, like he got injured in, I think, the second quarter and he came back and finished the entire game. I'm just <laughs> and saying, it is also I'm Derrick not, Henry. Saying, I don't think we've saying. seen a physical specimen <laughs> like Derrick Henry before. I'm just saying, but if he comes, if he comes back, well, obviously, I, and, and he's still able to, you know, do the same sort of, have the same sort of impact, then yeah, but as of right now, I think they're in trouble because this is going to put way too much pressure on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill. And 
he's not a bad quarterback, but he's in that same I put him in the same sort of bracket of quarterback as the guys like Kirk Cousins, you know, Matt Ryan, you know, those guys who are like, yeah, they're good. They're good, you know, solid. But there's sometimes where he can also be the guy who loses you a game or two. So, but it's, it's you know, I think the, the setup that they had of, you know, being all in on <laughs> Derrick Henry bulldozing over guys and stiff arming guys, and you know, the stiff arm is coming, but you can't stop it. And I remember I seen something that said, like, would you rather get dunked on uh, by somebody? I think it was like, just dunked on by anybody uh uh or would you rather derrick henry uh get stiff arm you <laughs> it was something like Giannis, probably yeah 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 something like yeah that. yeah yeah I'm, i'd rather get dunked on by the way <laughs> we're just being honest i'd rather get dunked on because there's no way i'm going to try to attempt to tackle derrick and a healthy derrick henry yeah but anyway but anyway um i think their outlook is going to be a lot more trickier uh because one, I think that they can't have a situation like week one where they have no sort of identity or and they have no sort of offensive brain cell outside of give the ball to Derrick Henry. Because there are times, I think, where as a quarterback, you don't want to get tunnel vision and locked into Julio Jones or um, can't think of their other receiver's name. A.J. Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah, you don't want to get tunnel vision and locked into those guys, even if they're like double teamed or double covered. But you know, hey, I think I think Ryan Tannehill is gonna have more pressure on his shoulders. I think we're gonna see him either rise to the occasion or drastically fall. Um, and I could see it being a drastic fall. But I think that the Titans will ultimately make the playoffs. I think that I don't see them getting a bye though. Um and I think they will have to play in a wild card scenario. I'm sorry, not a wild card, but I think they'll have to um, they'll have to play that first weekend. Be. Yeah, yeah, that's a wild card round. Yeah, so um, that which is going to add another game onto their onto their uh, onto them, which could I think impact them in a negative light. But I just think that the Titans need Derrick Henry in order to be as potent as they are. And without him, I think they kind of, you know, even though they signed Adrian Peterson, but we know Adrian Peterson, he's, he's not that old Adrian Peterson. If this is Adrian Peterson a few years ago, uh, I mean, damn, one, one guy goes down and you replace him with that. But, you know, Hey, AP shout AP though, because I feel like he's, I grew up watching AP as a kid. So I, I always got, you know, positive things to say about, you know, him as far as a football player standpoint, so I'm excited to see him get out there. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see if he can, you know, still keep, uh, you know, turning back the clock and have those breakout runs and those crazy moments. Um, if he's able to do anything sort close to kind of could be of that, then maybe they don't have an issue. Maybe they don't have a problem. But I think it's all going to be uh, time will tell. Time will tell. Well, if you look at the Titans offense right now, they're ranked in the bottom third of the NFL in terms of passing offense. And a big reason because of that is because they rely heavily on the run. Um, And that's why they're top five in the league in rushing yards per game. But I think 
obviously now the Titans are going to have to rely more on their passing game and a running back by committee with Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson because Darrington Evans, who was originally their backup, he uh, had a knee injury and is on IR and going to be out for the rest of the season. So they have a steady lead in their division and they beat, are you could say the most threatening team uh, in the Colts twice uh, already? Because obviously the Jaguars and the Texans I mean, are going to be closer to I mean, the, the Jaguars, though, right? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. So they really got the tiebreaker over them. And you look at their remaining schedule. They got the Rams this week, Saints, Texans, Patriots, Jaguars, Steelers, Niners, Dolphins, and then the Texans again. So looking at the schedule, I could predict them going maybe four and five, maybe five and four. So that would put them in a good spot to go 10 and seven or 11 and six, which would be good enough uh, to win the division and make the playoffs, in my opinion. So I think they'll be fine just because of the lead that they've grown so far. But it's just going to be uh, telling to see if their pass offense can keep up and make up ground from what they're losing with their run offense as well, because. You look at their defense, their defense is very suspect in general, especially their passing defense as well, too. So it's uh, going to be heavily, heavily relied on their passing offense to carry the load for this team. Moving on, we got the nosebleeds game of the week. We look back at week eight, the Eagles versus Lions. Probably my worst predicted game ever. <laughs> the Lions. Same, same here, same here. The Lions are now dead to me, honestly, after that <laughs> sorry-ass performance. They lost 44-6 to to the Eagles, and we all lost our Game of the Week predictions, the listeners, myself, Corey. So the crazy thing is, is I have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team, and they put up 44 <laughs> points, but he finished with less than 15 fantasy points. So it was infuriating all around for me because I think he put up more than 15 fantasy points. Uh, if they put up 44 points in a game. So did I, I honestly lose, just... Did you, did you win or lose I, your matchup? I lost my matchup by three points. Literally, <laughs> I lost my matchup by three points. And you would have thought that Jalen Hurts would have put up more than in this league that I have him in. He had like 11 or 12 points. So you thought he would have put up at least a little bit better considering they put up 44 points uh, in the game. But I have no words for this game. No, I don't even want to react to this game, honestly, because the Lions are a shit show. That was a bad prediction. And we move on. So the current standings, the listeners are three, three, and one. Myself in second, four and four, and Corey is three and five. So let's see if we can all bounce back because our week nine game of the week, Battle of the Shit Show Part Two. Hopefully, this will be better than last week's Battle of the Shit Shows, but it's going to go to both the one and seven teams, and that is the Texans versus the Dolphins. Game is in Miami. <laughs> if you look at their teams, 14-game losing streak between the two combined. They both won their openers, season openers, and they have lost seven in a row, both of them. Dolphins coming into this game, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you have winning this game, and which team do you have covering? Tyra Taylor might be coming back, too. This, this game, you think he's coming back? I don't know. That's the thing. If he comes back, I, I'm honestly scared that the Texans might win. Well, okay, so for me, first of all, you look at these two teams. There's a lot of recent history with these two. Laramie Tunsil and that huge trade, yeah, exactly. which turned into multiple top 10, top five picks for the Dolphins. And now they're both involved in the Deshaun Watson rumors. So both have kind of shifted the organization's outlook the past couple of years. But for me personally, I don't think Tyrod Taylor will play 
just because Houston obviously owns their first round pick this year after a long time. So they might be looking to tank, but also they have a week 10 buy coming up after this week. So I think they're going to give him this week off. They're going to let him recuperate after the buy week 10 and then come week 11, he will return. But with that being said, Miami doesn't own their first round pick this year. It is to the Eagles. And that is looking like a top three pick right now. So obviously Miami is looking not only to win this week, but obviously win as many ball games as they can this season. And I think Tua has something to prove just because his name was in the trade rumors and seemed like, uh, you know, coach Flores and just the organization was kind of giving up on him, even though he's been battling injuries. So I think Tua has something to prove this game. And I think Tyrod Taylor does not play this game. So with that being said, I think the Dolphins do win. But honestly, I think the Texans have been given some fights to some some top teams. And I think they they cover the spread. And I think the but I still think the Dolphins will win this game. What do you have? As much as I want to go against you, I I can't trust Houston. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't trust the Texans to do anything positive for me. Um yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take Miami in the situation here. Lesser of the two evils. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Cody Moa, by the way. <laughs> but I think that the Miami Dolphins uh, definitely have had a tough season. Um, and I don't think that they're similar to the Colts. I don't think that their record aligns with who they are as a team. I think if they just will get a little bit more consistency on the offensive side of the ball. They could be a fringe playoff team. But like you said, I think the heat is on. And I think that it benefits and behooves uh, both franchises if the Dolphins win. So I think that, like you said, there's going to be no pressure for Tyrod to come back. I think that the Dolphins are going to go ahead and get the W. Um, and I think that I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think that that the Dolphins are going to cover. Okay. So we'll see. Make sure you guys go vote on our social medias. Uh, Cause we got to all bounce back after that rough <laughs> loss last week. Oh, also I forgot to mention, make sure next Thursday night football, look out for Cody. Shout out Milton sports corner corner. Oh my God. I can't even talk right now. Milton sports corner. Cody and myself are going to be going to Miami to watch the Ravens dolphins game on Thursday night football. So Yo, you Look out for us. You should do a live. IG live. Do IG live from there? We could. Too bad Milton Sports Corner doesn't have an Instagram live. Otherwise, could have definitely uh, done it. But, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll do Instagram live, live from Miami to watch the Ravens beat the <laughs> the Dolphins. <laughs> Moving on, we got the NBA. Not a lot of news, but I think the biggest news was the new City Edition jerseys coming out. I don't know about you, Corey, but... Boy, some of these were fuego. Very, very nice. And I don't know if it's... I'm a sucker for the vintage NBA jerseys. And a lot of them are replicating the vintage NBA jerseys, which is why I was a big, big fan of them. So we're going to go through our top three jerseys that we like and the bottom three jerseys that we don't like. So let's start off with the top three. Corey, which jerseys do you like? These are my top three in no order, but these are the ones that I saw and I thought were like, yo, these are fire. Um... 
I'm going to start off with the Charlotte Hornets. I definitely thought that those paid good homage to what the franchise has kind of been about. I kind of just like the way that the jersey kind of looks. It's got a nice little blend and likes a little mixture of what's happening, what's going on with their mainstay colors, but also kind of throws it back a little bit to when they were called the Bobcats. So I think, you know, it's got a whole ton of stuff going on with the jersey. And I think I'm just kind of a sucker for you know, that design and that uh, that color ways that they had back in the day, back in the 90s. And I just think that overall, it's a, it's a dope-ass jersey. Um, and then moving on, we got the Brooklyn Nets. A um, little something different here, but it pays tribute to when they were in New Jersey. So you, I, I like the colorways already with the blue, the red, and the white strip. It's always dope, but then they got the stars on the side of the jersey as well. Kind of, you know, a little little classic little thing, paying it back to when they were, you know, in uh, with the 70s uh, situation, uh, late 70s going into the 80s. And I just think that them also having the New Jersey Nets, you know, old, uh, they got the old like color uh, uh, and also the old logo on the bottom of the shorts, too. I think that was uh, pretty cool, too. So uh, I think the Nets for me also, you know, just brings back those old memories because me as a kid, uh, I saw the Nets when they had a Jason Kidd, Vince Carter um, and uh, Jefferson Jefferson. as well. Yep. 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 So that team was iconic for me, maybe not to so many people, but watching as a kid, I remember them battling in the playoffs and making a deep, even going to the finals a couple of times. So, and then last but certainly not least, I think this is probably the best jersey, in my opinion. It has to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you just look at this jersey, and the one thing that just springs to mind to me is clean. That joint is so clean. So it's an all-white jersey. It's got OKC on the side uh, of the jersey, which is a, a, a – pays homage to their uh, old uh, Thunder uniforms, which I always thought looked dope. Just like Thunder on the side of the jersey, and it was all dark blue. I thought that was nice. Um, I think that because it's all white, that's already going to, you know, catch my catch my eye already. But there's just the little intricacies about the jersey that I kind of like. But the fact that it's just all white, it's just, man, that's a clean top and a clean jersey for me. Um, wouldn't even mind, uh, you know, <laughs> copping like either the shorts or the jerseys, to be honest, because that, that joint just looks nice. It does look good. For me, I'm going to start off with probably my two favorite vintage jerseys of all time, and that is the Indiana Pacers. Those are probably one of my favorite jerseys of all time. Uh, and it's just so clean how that navy, white, and yellow kind of just go with one another. It just reminds me of the Reggie Miller uh, days back in the day. Um, and that's why I like the Pacers. And then other one, probably my second favorite, or actually I would say it's a tied with the Pacers. My second or second Jersey is the Denver Nuggets ones. I don't know what it is about that rainbow that they always got going across, but it just looks so clean. One of my favorite jerseys that I have personally is the rainbow, the blue color with the rainbows going across and you have the, the Denver skyline, uh, Allen Iverson Jersey. I got one of those ones and it is just so clean. And this is kind of paying homage to that. And then last but not least, you can call it bias. You can call it whatever you want, but I'm gonna go with the Clippers. I think 
the Clippers, just that blue color, just it's so, it's so eye popping to you. And it's so clean at the same time, too, because you see a lot of these teams will have like that eye popping color, but they'll be trying to do too much with it. And I think with the Clippers, that orange and light blue kind of pays homage to the Buffalo Braves and the San Diego Clippers. So I honestly, those shorts, I might have to cop those shorts because those little sailboats on the side of it. Oof. I don't know. I'm liking it. But to my bottom three, I'm going to go with the Celtics. It's just too plain, too plain for me. I feel like I understand it's very historic. It's got meaning behind it, all that stuff. But it's just a little too plain for me. When you come out with City Edition jerseys and, you know, nowadays people like intricacies and they did like stuff that's going to pop out or something that they could rock. Like it just looks like a plain old Celtics jersey. Nothing great about it. And then the next one, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, This looks like an AAU NJB type of jersey. I don't know what's going on with this one. It just, yeah, it's no bueno, the red. And then they got a Cavalier in the middle and the two, like, it's why, why is it? It looks so scrunched up to it together, their jersey. So I'm not a fan of that one. looks like a practice uniform, to be honest. Yeah, this one, like an AAU type of jersey or something like that. Actually, I've seen some AAU jerseys, which look better, to be honest. And then last but not least, I got to go with the Washington Wizards. I get it. They're trying to throw it back like the the Washington Bullet days, but I, I just can't do it. Maybe if it was a dark blue, how they used to have it before, maybe I like it. But the fact that it's like that bright blue and bright red, it just, I don't know, not a fan of it. So those are my bottom three jerseys. What are your bottom three? My bottom three, I also, I'm right there with you. The Celtics, yikes, 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 yikes. I feel like yikes. past couple City Edition jerseys are like earned jerseys. They just have not done a great job. I feel like with the Celtics, the biggest thing that they always try to harp on is their banners and their <laughs> retired jersey and, and, and stuff like that. But I'm just like, all right, I mean, anything else? Like, is, is that all Is that all that's about your franchise? The fact that you Didn't guys know have, we were tuned into the History Channel. Yeah, I mean, like, you got 17 channels. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. All right, cool. But I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, come on. I'm not wearing that. And then the Cavaliers, like we just discussed, like, yo, that – like Chris was saying, like that to me, that looks like a practice uniform. Like that looks like something that you know you would be throwing on, getting ready to do like some uh some some drills or something in practice if you were uh, a Cavs uh, player. But I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Like we're not really serious that they're going to be wearing that on game days. Okay, all right. But the worst one of them all, in my opinion, the Orlando freaking Magic why like why that's all i have to say is why the the colorways i think if they would have done the traditional blue it would have been dope but why that nasty orange i i just don't they did understand. it they did it last year as well too yeah. I, I I, that, it, it was on white it was orange on white last year but yeah yeah at least with the orange on white it wasn't like that bad but to me i'm like bro if we're gonna throw it back when you think of the magic you think of the blue the white in the black, bro. So if they were going to do it like that, they should have just thrown some blue on there. I think that would have made way more sense, but I get it. You trying to, you know, do something that stands out from the OG, from the, from the jerseys that you already have. But I'm just like, yo, that, that color is not vibing with my eyes. I need, is this, it's just like looking like, <laughs> looking like a highlighter for no reason of orange. And I'm like, yo, orange to me, I'm sorry, y'all, if y'all didn't know, but orange is not a colorway that I, I can rock out 
unless it's like a particular, you know, like a Syracuse or something like that. But like that, like Orlando, you're not known for the orange. So I'm like, come on, man. I'm not rocking with that orange. It's just disgusting to my eyelids. I don't know what they're trying to do, but there's honestly, there's definitely honorable mentions, like just because we didn't name the top three. Uh, there's some jerseys that I still really like, the Spurs being one of them, but I think there's just a lot of jerseys. I think the NBA, I think the teams did a great job um, making these jerseys and paying homage to the vintage jerseys. And uh, look up a link. It's on it's sportslogo.net. Look up a link, and it basically explains to you what parts of their vintage jerseys they put together and the meaning behind it. So it's really dope that uh, the NBA has done this. I'm glad that they keep trying to come out with new jerseys every year. You know, keeps it fresh, keeps it clean. But, yeah, that's our jerseys. Let us know which jerseys you guys think and like um in our on our social media but that's gonna wrap it up for this episode we had a big big nfl week we got a big week coming up mlb season is wrapped up nba season is underway we're gonna come out with our power rankings uh come thursday but make sure you guys follow us on our social medias on twitter at the underscore nosebleeds that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds on instagram the nosebleeds and on facebook look up the nosebleeds podcast apple Podcasts, spotify we're on those if you like what you heard shoot us that five-star rating write a review if you're feeling generous really helps us out Corey, any last things to say before we wrap it up shout out atl for getting a for uh for getting that world series title last time i got one i was uh barely entering into the world <laughs> in 1995 but uh overall man i'm just excited to see what continues to go down in the nba and all the madness that will ensue in the nfl can't wait once again thoughts and prayers to the families involved with the henry rugg situation can't illustrate that enough but uh man them rams dude dropping bangers after bangers at the bangers just trying to just literally stack the deck with that defense wanted to have the best defense since the bears defense and man maybe they maybe they finally get one maybe they don't i say they don't because thinks they will i mean what do you guys think can't wait to see what goes on can't wait to see what happens so stay tuned stay tuned keep listening to the nose please podcast and we out of here man see you later deuces